All right. What is up, folks? Welcome back to another episode of the Help Me Understand podcast. Before jumping into today's episode, I wanted to take a minute just to, as always, say thank you for choosing to press play. There's a lot of different podcasts that you have the opportunity to listen to, and I always appreciate anyone who takes the time to check this one out. So with today's episode of the Help Me Understand podcast, we are bringing you episode number 35. And this is an episode that was quite a few months in the making. A bit ago, I reached out to both of my guests today, Corey and Erica, and asked them if they would be willing to jump into the recording studio with me so that we could sit down and really have a conversation about confidence. So to give you some quick context behind the reason I wanted to have this particular conversation, in a lot of the work that I do within health and fitness, with many of my clients, there is always at some point a conversation around confidence Many times it's centered around body image, but just in the overall general terms, we have a lot of conversations around confidence and self-image, how we see ourselves and things like that. And many times there's a correlation between how we as individuals see ourselves and messages that we were either given directly or indirectly as we were growing up. And so when I thought to myself, I'd like to really sit down and get some different perspectives other than my own on confidence uh, from not only people who I feel like I view as being confident, but also people that I feel like are very invested in confidence with their children. Corey and Erica are two of the very first people that came to mind. So uh, today is a episode that I think anyone will be able to take away some really great nuggets from. Again, it's kind of along the lines of most of the conversations that I have with guests on this show. It's not really going to be much of an interview style. This is legit just three folks sitting in a studio, having a conversation, asking the questions, talking about some of the different experiences that we've gone through. We went uh, around a lot of different topics uh, when it comes to confidence, really peeling back the layers, talking about things like social media, talking about um, different things that um, we experienced as we were growing up, different things that have shaped how we see ourselves and then how we also Uh, quite honestly, may feel like we're projecting some of the things that we've experienced onto our children and how we work through that. Uh, Really talking about how our experience has come full circle in a lot of our interactions. So with that, I won't keep you any further. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of the Help Me Understand podcast. a fantastic way to start things off because it's all about just having a conversation. So yeah. uh, first I want to just say thanks to both of you for taking the time to sit down and have this conversation. So uh, for the audience that clearly cannot see us right now, I'm in the studio here with Corey Strong and Erica Lockett. So first of all, ladies, how are you doing today? I'm great. Who's going to go first? <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you for breaking the ice. Ice I'm broken. Fantastic. I'm a little nervous because this, okay. this is the first time I've ever done this. Okay. Um, but I'm excited too. Well, I, I appreciate, again, I appreciate you taking the time to do it. And I appreciate you uh, bringing that nervousness because I'm all about like people just kind of jumping in and it's kind of that whole feel the fear and do it anyway yeah. sort of thing. And that actually rolls really well into the topic that I wanted to talk about today with talking about confidence. So to give a little bit of context, which is what I like to do to start episodes off, 
So the context around having this conversation comes from a couple of different angles. In health and fitness, I work primarily with a female population. And with the population that I work with, when we really start working together in the coaching and the fitness space, we begin to have a lot of conversations around uh, self-image. And inevitably, there are conversations where past experience growing up gets brought up into the conversation. And this really actually links very well to the very first podcast I ever did sitting in this same exact studio talking with a friend of mine who's a child psychologist just about the impact of parents and the impact of words and the impact of that childhood experience and how that then folds into who you are as an adult. And so that's one aspect is the population that I work with and talk with a lot and the importance of uh, the parental influence, I guess you could call it. I sound so professional right now. (laughs) The parental influence growing up and the impact that that had. But then also um, the other angle that I, I was thinking about this from is who are the people that I know that I feel like I put under that column of these people are confident and you two came to mind and they, you came to mind in very different aspects. So um, Corey, I worked with you in getting some professional shots done. And one of the reasons that I decided to get those particular shots done was because I saw the work that you were doing with people that I knew and the fact that I felt like I could feel the confidence like jumping out of the screen at the photos that you were taking and things like that. So that was that was one of the pieces. And then Erica, as somebody who's a friend of the family, I see that not only in you, but also in your children. So we've got boys that are just about the same age, um, could practically be brothers for how well they get along. And then about like about four hours later, they're truly, yeah, they're brothers. <laughs> um, <laughs> Absolutely. Totally. But just also with your daughter too, like just, so I thought to myself, you know what, why not have a conversation around this idea of confidence and get your, your, uh, perspectives on where you feel like for yourselves that has come from and then how you as parents, Uh, are working on that with your children. So with that being said, let me throw this question out. So Eric, I'll start with you. I'll throw the question out. When you think about just the term confidence, what does that mean to you uh, as an individual? Just the word confidence. Mm, Okay. Well, first I want to say thank you. Um, I will say I appreciate you recognizing that in me normally I would say maybe about five years ago, I would have said a lot of things to say, oh, you know, well, I'm really not. Or, you know, I, you know, I was raised to be very humble and modest. Um, But I will say I'm saying thank you to acknowledge that, yes, I do see that on myself. And I see that on myself because it's been a hard um, fought battle and journey for me to get to a place where I can accept that somebody sees me as confident. Um, and so rather than kind of, you know, be like, oh, stop it, you know, no, I'm thank you because um, there's a lot of scars and tears and pain that has come with that journey. But um, confidence to me, um, my mother was a teacher. And so she always told us that words matter. Don't say a word if you don't know what it means. Um, and so, um, you know, we didn't have an outline or anything, but there were a couple of things that I did think I wanted to say. And so. The word freedom, 
freedom to me is associated with confidence because an aspect of um, the meaning of freedom is liberation from the power of another. Mm. And so for me, my confidence very much comes from that meaning of freedom um, to not think about who I am through anybody else's eyes, but how do I see myself? Um, and to see myself and to love myself, the good, bad, and the ugly, and to love myself through all of that, to me, that is, I think, what is my basis and my foundation for confidence. All right. Well, that's been a great episode. And uh, no. <laughs> Real talk. <laughs> exactly why you're a part of this conversation. Okay. <laughs> well, thanks for kicking us off. So, Corey, I'm going to throw the same thing your way. When you think confidence, what does that mean to you? Wow, that's a tough one to follow. That was excellent. <laughs> I'm like nodding in agreement to everything you said. Um, <clears throat> similarly, I think years ago, I would also have shied away from anyone calling me confident because I never felt confident growing up. Um, I don't even think I really knew what it meant to feel confident until a few years ago. So to me, confidence means really understanding who you are and accepting that and being proud of that and making decisions that, um, you know, I personally feel like are of integrity and not decisions that are just trying to fit the mold of what I think other people want me to be. And just truly loving who I am. And this is something I, I mean, I still struggle with. I don't feel mm -hmm. like you get to this level of confidence and you're just immune to other people's opinions. <laughs> um, so really learning about yourself, <clears throat> excuse me, that was one thing that I didn't do my entire life. I felt different from others. I was told that I was high maintenance and intense. <laughs> and so I had really low confidence my whole life and taking the time to finally go to therapy, learn about myself, learn about my strengths instead of focusing on weaknesses. Um, that in itself led to confidence. And, and as you talk about, I think that is so important because I had written that down and again, not a script, but just things that I, I really wanted to be intentional to say. In, in my home, nobody taught me how to love myself. Mm. Um, I think you, especially as a woman, you're taught to take care of other people. Um, and it wasn't until I was in college making a lot of bad personal decisions, okay? And that's some of that's rooted in some things that had happened in my childhood. Some of it was just rebelling. Um, but I remember somebody telling me, Erica, you don't love yourself. What do you mean? Everybody loves themselves. But what I learned is that that person meant I wasn't making decisions to care for myself or protect myself as I would someone I loved. And I mean, that was, I mean, that it put me at rock bottom because it was true at the time. But I would say because of that, I am very intentional about that with my children and specifically my daughter um, because I don't want her to. I don't want to want her to have to go through all of that um, to learn that. I understand that she will go through things, but as she grows up, I want her to understand just to have that concept of loving herself and what that means. So, man. Okay. Well, you kicked it off exactly. It, it already exceeded my expectations here because I think that just 
the different aspects that you're bringing to the conversation, while unique, I think there's already a common theme. And one of the things that I'll bring up right off the bat and ask you to kind of peel back a layer and just help me understand more about is um, something that I also have felt before where it's that need to, when somebody pays you a compliment or when somebody, you know, gives you your flowers, you're kind of like, well, you know, uh, not really. Like, I, I'm just kind of, you know, I'm just, just a little me. Like, I'm just doing my thing. Like, I, you know, and I don't know, I can't necessarily say that I know exactly where that comes from. You brought up the, um, what I'm going to paraphrase as the value of humility and being humble. And that's something that I still believe in. But I think it's really interesting that there seems to be, in my opinion, this kind of thing where humility and confidence apparently are not able to coexist sometimes. Or you can't be too much of one and too much of the other. You're either one or the other thing. And what I want to do is throw out the question of at what point or can you remember a particular time where maybe that tide started to turn where it wasn't necessarily the automatic response that when somebody paid a compliment or when somebody uh, recognized confidence in you, let me put it that way, recognized confidence that you felt like, well, not really. Like, I'm sorry, it, I don't want you to actually recognize my confidence. Like you're saying that that's a bad thing, you know, like that sort of thing. Can you think of... Uh, perhaps like a time or an experience where you started to say, you know what? No, I'm going to let that sit for a minute and I'm going to accept these flowers that I'm getting. And I'm just going to, I'm going to say, thank you. And I'm going to feel good about this. Like maybe that a, a particular scenario or anything like that, that either of you might be able to, to think about or think of. Yeah. I thought of two different circumstances. Um, well, one, I grew up singing, and I it still feels weird to like recognize I am a good singer, <laughs> um, because my whole family just really talked about, um, you know, you don't boast about yourself. You're you're going to appear selfish. So whenever someone would ask me, "What do you like to do?" I like to sing. Like, oh, are you good? First of all, like, what kind of question is that? And uh, like, yeah. <laughs> second, <laughs> okay. I I would just like almost cry inside. I was so sensitive and I'd be like, I don't know. But then it got to the point when I started performing with my now husband. Um, we have an acoustic band together and people are like, you guys are good. And I was like, thank you. And I learned the art of saying thank you from um, my photography mentor. And she says, because women are notorious for um, not taking compliments. Well, like we deflect or say, if someone says, oh, I love your dress, we're like, oh, it's not a big deal. I got it on sale. We just we just tend to deflect from a compliment. And she said something that stuck with me, and it was when you deflect someone's compliment, you're actually denying them like that wonderful feeling that is to pay someone a compliment. Mm. And when I thought about it that way, like how does like how does that make that other person feel? Then I understood and it changed my whole perspective. So I was able to accept compliments about my work and I feel like everything, but only once that clicked, because I was able to get out of my own head and think about another person. Yeah, that's, that is big. And I think, uh, I think that's a really 
interesting perspective and something for me to really soak in is that that thought process of what does that then mean to the other person when they're trying to give you a compliment and you turn it back around and try to basically kind of downplay it? Um, what does that do? So I think that's that's a that's a really interesting perspective to bring from it. I like that. Erica, what about you? For me, I had two stories, and then I went like to a fourth. Um, <laughs> so for me, it really was at a family reunion, um, and it's funny because my husband, then fiance, this was the first time he had been around my extended family, and he met like a matriarch of the family, and she upon introduction, says, well, if you are with this girl and you're marrying this girl, like, you did the right thing. And he took offense to the way that she said it. I mean, I guess he kind of, it sounded to him like she was thinking she was better or we were better than other people. Um, But throughout that family reunion, what I learned more about was our history Um, And I learned more about her. She was a person that had had many firsts um, as a black woman um, in the Austin area. So she was a proud woman. Um, And so when I saw that, I think it made me think about who I am and who I come from. Um, And that that let me know I should be proud because I I, it made me think about all the things that people before me and my family had done for us to be positioned where we are now. So I would that's that very much stands out in my mind in terms of something that made me think differently. It I did feel proud in who I was. I felt like it's okay to do that. Because as soon as he I said, uh-uh. You know, you don't uh-uh, that is mama birthday. You don't you don't talk, don't get an attitude with mama birthday now. Okay. So you'll ruin the whole weekend. <laughs> especially especially not the first time first time at the family reunion. So yeah. Yeah. Well I appreciate you both sharing that. So I I wanna ask you then on on the flip side of that, I find that in a lot of conversations that I do have with folks, when it comes to confidence and we talk about past experiences they can typically bring up a number of examples where they were made to feel or a particular comment was projected towards them intending to make them feel less confident or uh, less than, whatever it may be. And that's something that uh, full transparency as a father, I try to be really, really, really uh, aware of let's just say, just really aware of, maybe too aware (laughs) to the point where it's like, well, I'm just not going to say anything. You never know, (laughs) you know? But I think the, so the question that I want to ask is from, from the perspective of being a dad and just asking the question uh, and the understanding and the importance of the, I feel the importance that a father plays. Where do you think, or what do you think are, um, some things that you want dads to think about when it comes to things that they talk to their daughters about as far as confidence. So I'm a father of a 15 year old. And then for context, I don't think we mentioned this. So your, your daughter is Erica. She's six. Mm -hmm. And then Corey, your daughters are, I have nine and 13, nine, 13. So we're covering 
six, nine, <laughs> 13, and then 15 here in this room. Does it count if the six-year-old thinks she's 15? Okay, <laughs> I digress. <laughs> yeah. my, my youngest, too. <laughs> all that, all the confidence, right? All the confidence. So my question would be, as a father, what are some of the things that you feel like uh, I should think about when it comes to how I am talking to my daughter about confidence or how I interact with my daughter about confidence? Just, I know that's kind of a vague question. Um, I'll give you maybe an example. Um, I know that I have had multiple, multiple conversations with very close friends of mine who can always remember when their father would make some sort of a comment about body image. Um, but it never fails. And so that's something that I've taken away with. It's not, number one, it's not necessary. Like there's, there's no need. Um, but number two, like your words mean something, especially as a father. So that would perhaps be like one thing for me to take away. But just in general, what kind of, what kind of things, if you had a, a room full of dads here right now who are 100% committed to raising strong, confident daughters, what are some of the things that you would like them to know? I'll start with, mm. um, I'll try not to cry. <clears throat> Oh, I didn't bring tissue. Um, well. My father passed away um, maybe about five years ago, um, and we had an interesting relationship. I did not, I never lived with him. Um, my parents divorced really early on, um, and he was kind of in, in and out of my life. Um, I remember the older I got, the more we had a relationship. Um, and I remember being in a store with him one day and getting lost from him, and I was probably about. 25 and I remember being in the store crying when I found him because I had not had that moment um, as a child of being in a store and getting lost from my father the thing I would say is presence is so important I, th I think sometimes we think we have to do so many things I would say the first thing being there is so important the second thing that I'll say really quickly is um when he passed, it was funny. Um, I thought, you know, he was in and out, and I thought, oh, we're not going to have any pictures. It's going to be so embarrassing. Da, da, da. And I found a lot of pictures, and I, I thought he wasn't necessarily there like I wanted, but he was there. One thing that I remember and I share with my children is he called me his poo bear. Now, that is not something I want repeated <laughs> outside this podcast. Duly noted. <laughs> but I will say it, it was a term of affection. And so I think I, even though he wasn't there the way that I wanted, I knew that he did love me. Um, but I would say in the interactions I had with my father, my father never, um, I don't recall him ever saying anything to me that made me not feel that I felt worthy. I just wish he had been there more. So that's my story. I appreciate you sharing that because that that helps not only me but i know that that helps other fathers i i know it and something that i pulled out of that because i'm going to be selfish and say it's the call it's called the help me understand so the help me understand podcast something that i pulled out of that was that validation of the importance of presence and it's not it's not always all about the big grand whatever i'm adding words which i really shouldn't do uh, so just what I pulled out of that was the importance of presence. Yeah. 
Yeah. So I appreciate you sharing that. And just a little thing to add. Now, I think he was different because his father was not a nice man. My grandfather. He mm-hmm. could be mean. He would see me and he would say, gal, you're looking like a woman. That meant I was getting bigger. Um, or he would say, your grandma, at one point, she weighed more than me. Yeah, you like your grandma. Hmm. You know. So the other thing I would say is standing up. Now, my dad was not there to stand up. I will say that I think he intentionally was not like his father. So he didn't say things like that. But I do remember my sister sticking up for me and saying, why would you say that? That is hurtful. So I also think being the protector, you mm. know, and, you know, calling out when things are not appropriate. So I'll leave it at that. I'm, I'm taking mental notes right now. <laughs> he might want to grab a big notebook. <laughs> no. Well, you know what? Somebody should record this so I can play it back. How about that? So, Corey, no, you what, play this back. You've, you've got a room full of dads who are, who are open to your perspective and your feedback. What are some things that you would share with them on that same topic? Oh, how to just choose a few. (laughs) Um, Okay, so we are working on helping my 13-year-old feel more confident. And the main thing we are working on is helping her advocate for her own needs. And this working with women, I work primarily with women. Um, Women overall don't know how to stand up for what they want. They don't know how to verbalize it and how to ask Um most of the time they get to a breaking point and you know then you just unleash the rage. And so I, I've been thinking about this a lot, how I can help my own 13-year-old um, learn how to compassionately ask for what she needs and to like stand firm in that. And so, you know, along with her therapist and what I've learned and advocating for my own needs is um, how, how that father figure can help teach his daughter without just sitting there and saying, this is how you advocate for your needs. So for example, um, my daughter gets very overwhelmed with loud noises and um, with transitions and going to busy places and trying to teach her to advocate for herself and say, you know what, today I really need some downtime or I need to have some quiet time in my room because this is overwhelming for, for me. And so I think what a parent can do to be helpful is to just listen and validate that children's needs and desires instead of talking over them, maybe um, telling them, oh, no, you don't feel like that or you should just do this. Um, You know, how many times I think about my own childhood, how I tried to express what I needed and I was met with contempt or Like, you're too much, you're high maintenance, you're overreacting. And so then I learned not to ask for what I need. And then ultimately, (laughs) I dated boys and men who would step on my feelings and like I became a doormat. But if I had learned that early on, that here's how I tell someone what I need, what I like, what I don't like. And if I would have been validated, I think that would have built confidence. So right now, that, I believe that is one of the biggest things that dads can do is just listen, validate, and say, okay, how can I help you in this? Or how does that make you feel? Like listening to their problems, especially without jumping in and trying to solve it. Simply listening. 
It's hard. Yeah, it's it hard. Is. I can't do it all the time. It is. I feel like you want to say something. Feel, feel free. I was just going to say preach. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Because it was oh. interesting as I was thinking, oh. you know, I was thinking about my childhood and I was thinking about my parents. But I also think about what the outcome of that was. And I do think a lot of my difficulties came from relationships, right? My lack of confidence really showed. And, you know, that just adds baggage on top of baggage that you already have. Um, and so, yeah, I, I could just, I vibed with you on that. Plus, we're singers, too. So I'm like, You're a we singer, have, too? I, I'm okay with saying that now today because of you. So <laughs> First time I have heard this. <laughs> yes. So don't know where that's been hiding. And we are in a recording studio, just so you know. <laughs> just saying. But I, so I appreciate both of you. Um, man, I'm going to say that over and over. So just get ready. <laughs> but I appreciate both of you because, like I said, you bring such different aspects to, to this conversation, but there's such a common theme that's there. And I'll tell you, Corey, like that, that aspect of, recognizing it can be really difficult. I'm going to speak for myself as a father. It can be very difficult to try to s listen and allow your child to go through certain things. When you feel like you know the answer, I was about to say when you know that this is really the direction that they quote unquote should go. But then just even as I think about that and then verbalize it, that's kind of part of the problem is feeling like, well, I, I know that this is the way that you should go. So uh, let me let me save you and not have you waste your time going in this particular direction or feeling this particular way. But I've come to learn the value of you just got to, sometimes you just got to let people feel their feelings, like let, just let them feel it so that you can get an understanding. I think as you, as I'm talking through this, the majority of what I've learned, especially about my daughter, has come from not doing, like not saying or doing anything, just sitting back and listening. She taught me something. Um, I want to say, I want to say this was about two or three months ago, but we were talking about a particular scenario where um, she was talking about a scenario where somebody was dealing with a difficult person, and my brain automatically and i think that this goes to my upbringing and not in a negative way but my brain automatically went to here's how you can negotiate your way through the situation so that you don't necessarily upset the person too much so that you can kind of get what you need out of the situation and then you can go back and deal with it later and her feedback to me was why am i the one who needs to do something different or why is this person the one who needs to do something different? That was her feedback. And I remember talking to my dad about that later, and I was like, oh, boy. Like, number one, about time that that feedback came through to me because I'm definitely very much the person that's like, listen, here's how you negotiate your way through a situation. Kind of let's diplomatic our way through this just so we can get through the situation and then go back and deal with it. And she didn't see it that way. And so I... I was like, okay, I got it. Like, this makes a lot of sense. And now as I think about it, I think that one of the difficult things about that can be as a parent, when you are, when you think, I mean, you're never going to do 100% of the stuff right, but when you think that you are helping them negotiate their way through a situation, you may be just validating what the world is telling them about you need to take the back seat 
in a particular situation. Like it's something that we were talking about with this generation. And actually I'll bring this up from a social media standpoint. Um, I let my kids, I let my kids or not let, but we encourage them to be pretty, pretty open with us as far as what they use on social media. My son watches YouTube. My daughter's got some social media apps and things like that. And so as things were happening, um, during, uh, the election, as things were happening with George Floyd and, um, some of the protests that were happening and just different things like that. I didn't feel like it was the right move to be like, get off social media, get off this, get off that. I wanted that situation to be a part of the conversation. And something that was a part of the conversation was this generation, especially this generation of females, it's no longer being happy to be at the table. It's, this was my seat all along. So that's, I, I, from my perspective, I'd love to get your take on really let's talk uh, let's talk about you know social media let's talk about some of the messages maybe that are out there for women when it comes to social media um, it's out there and it's it's in full effect um, I know it came up in you know my conversation with my daughter in the aspect of you know her linking some things around like you know she told me straight up she's like dad this is just an example of being told just to be happy to be at the table People aren't happy to be at the table. We were supposed to be at the table from the beginning. And I was like, oh, my gosh. I like your daughter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wise. Wise, right? <laughs> um, and we've had conversations about, like, comparison culture and some different things like that. But I'd like to just throw that out there. I know I just went in 15 different directions, but that's what I do. Um, so let's, let's chat. Social media uh, and different trends or whatever is kind of happening there. How do, you all, how do you all handle that so far? Um, Corey, I'll start with you, um, just because in the, in the business that you're in and also, you know, at the ages that you've got, I know that has to be a thing, um, within your household. So how do you, how do you handle that social media or, you know, wherever you want to take that leave it wide open there? Ah, oh, social media. I definitely have a love hate relationship mm -hmm. with it. Um, so my 13 year old. I told you guys before we started the podcast, um, she's not really interested in what a lot of girls and kids her age are interested in. Um, she doesn't like the social aspect of school. She doesn't like socializing much. Um, kind of a homebody like me. We like our books and some weird conversation. So she doesn't really have too much of a desire to be present on social media. The only thing she has right now is TikTok. And she's made a couple of TikToks of, you know, her and her friend, friends. It's like the dancing stuff. Yeah. Um, and then she'll be open with me. Like, she'll let me sit down and we'll scroll through her feed because um, TikTok has the strongest, smartest algorithm of all social media platforms. And so I know how easy it is to get stuck in an echo chamber um, and see some really damaging things. So sh we do go through that with her. Um, and we talk a lot about what's going on on social media. Um, but I feel like I'm a novice going into this with with kids. She's she's got one app. And I know I've, I've heard from her, her friends' moms and other people who have teenage girls on it that it is like literal hell. I mean, <laughs> it takes bullying to a new level. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, you know, you have FOMO. You're being left out. You see all of your friends or... You know, people um, at an event are doing something and you weren't invited. 
or people are taking screenshots of conversations on Snapchat and sending them to other kids. And all of a sudden, like, your shit's blasted all over the entire school. Um, so we have <laughs> – she does not want to get Snapchat because she knows – she doesn't like that her friends are over and they're looking down on their phones. Yeah. And instead of doing things together, they all just resort to their phones and they're not interacting. My youngest, however, she is going to be my social media maven. <laughs> she is nine. And – um, right now, her obsession is YouTube gaming vloggers, um, and she likes the most obnoxious people. And <laughs> are they the ones that are screaming all the time? Oh yes, she just found my, one who's a screamer. Son. Just oh, random and just crazy stuff. Go ahead, it's I'm just sorry. it's way too much. Um, and <laughs> watching people play Roblox and Minecraft, but then lately she's gotten she's gotten into I. I think they're called commentary videos. My 17-year-old stepdaughter can tell me all about this. <laughs> so basically, um, this girl just commenting on other videos and pictures. Uh -huh. And I've overheard some things because she blares it in our living room, which is attached to the kitchen. And I'm like, you know what? Let's talk about this. I don't really like what this person said. This was hurtful. And right now, she's at the age where you cannot say that to her without her taking it as a personal offense. Oh, yeah. But with both <laughs> my kids, we'll just, I try and have conversations, maybe not when they're right in the middle of it. I bring it up when they're not active on social media. So I'll just, I just try to weave little lessons into our conversations, and I have yeah. no idea if it's being processed. Yeah, that's well, that brings up a whole nother thing. Like, I remember being in a conversation one time, and somebody's like, So, how do you know that your message is getting through when it comes to your kids? I'm like, You may never know until they turn like 40. <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure at the age of 40 plus tax right now, my dad is like, I did not believe you were actually listening back then. He has actually given me that feedback recently. Well, I, I, I asked <laughs> so. Mia today, I said, in preparation for this, I said, Well, Mia, do you think, I wanted to, I wanted to know what she thought about herself from an image perspective. I said, Do you think you're pretty? Yes. Why do you think that? I, I thought it was going to be directly because, Mommy, you tell me that. Because I have an afro. Loved it. Oh. I'm sorry. I had to, I don't know if clapping is loud. <laughs> I was happy. And I have to say that, you know, being a black woman and hearing my daughter say she's happy to have an afro and that makes her look beautiful and that makes her pretty. It, it's crazy because it wasn't the validation from someone else. It was, I like my Afro. And for me, that was important because even at six, at six, she's watching those same. I think she's yeah. watching YouTube, watching, reading books. No, they done found all kind of attire, rolling over stuff just to see if it breaks or not. Okay. <laughs> but one thing she started to watch is, you know, I understand people approach life differently. I am not looking for my 15 minutes of fame for myself or my kids. I don't judge that in other people. But some of these, they have these families on and, you know, they're just doing these very canned things. But one thing that I noticed, I did notice her behavior change. And then I did notice her constantly talking about her hair. She constantly was talking about, I want straight hair. I, when I was trying to figure out where is this coming from? I happened to watch one of the videos, and there are two cute little girls with long corn silk, beautiful hair. And I figured, I said, that's where she's, she's watching that all the time. 
And not only is she listening to them, she's saying, I want to be like them. And so to me, I remember doing the same thing when I was young. Um, I went to predominantly white schools. Um, and it it wasn't that, um, yeah, I don't know, for some reason I wanted that. You know, I was taught my hair's nappy, you know, and... I need to look all these different ways. I need to get weave and all that kind of stuff. So when I saw her one day trying to put a towel on her head to have long flowing, flowing hair, <laughs> and I, my sister and I had done that, I said, no. So, you know, I don't, it's not that I don't let her watch it because she has, they have to live in the real world, right? right. I try to help her, um, give her some tools and put things in her tool belt to help her manage that. So I just, you know, give her a diverse range of what dolls look like. You know, we have crayons that have all the colors, right? So that, that you know, that is beautiful. That little girl's hair is pretty. And so the older I get in life, the more it's, it's an and, not either or. It's not that you're beautiful and she's not, or she is and you're not. I just try to help facilitate the and. Mm, I think that's I think that's really well said, especially the the takeaway that I'm going to have from from both of you. But the, the takeaway for sure that I'm going to have is that importance of our daughters being able to not just see people who look like them, but experience people who process maybe things the way that they do, that not everybody always has to have a group of like roll 20 deep to every social function, that there is, um, there is a group of people who like to read. Like that is what they like to do. Not, every, not everybody is at every party. And that doesn't make the people who go to the parties bad either. It's just, I don't know where it comes from. I'm sure somebody has done some sort of study, but it's just really interesting to me how, how it takes, it seems like takes us so long to be able to understand that you're not alone. There are other people out there. It's just, I think, especially when you're a kid, or I say kid, but you know, like single digits to teenagers, you kind of feel like whatever you see, well, for us, it was whatever you saw in your school, like that was the whole world, right? We didn't have access to these things. And that was actually a conversation that I had with somebody recently. I'm like, this generation, everything is at their fingertips. Like when I wanted to get into trouble, I got in plenty of trouble, but I had to like make a concerted effort to go find things that I wasn't supposed to be involved in. <laughs> I feel like our kids now, they legit have to have up a shield. Otherwise they're being thrown these messages. Like you talked about the TikTok algorithm. I think one day when we finally get to really, really peel back the layers, I know Netflix did that documentary, like the social mm -hmm. dilemma, I think they called it. But I think that that maybe like scratched, like minute scratch the surface of what's really happening because just the the narratives that continue to get fed, um, I think, I, pardon the pun, because I was thinking like more like the, the diet industry right now is just a hot mess. But the narratives that are being fed, not just to our kids, but us as adults, formulate, like it's almost like you kind of get driven down, like, okay, this is the lane that we've decided you're going to go down, and then here we go. So I had never even thought about social media from the standpoint of, you know, kind of that FOMO starts to kick in where it's like, oh, well, I, I see these pictures my friends are posting of all the things that they're doing and I'm not involved in that. So what does that lead to um, as far as mindset and things? I didn't even think about that. But then again, I'm 
in my 40s, I probably don't. <laughs> I love know? what you said. I'm in bed by 8 o'clock. So. <laughs> I love what you said, the love-hate, right? Because what I do love about it is um, the, the other side is that it does expose you to things beyond your world, right, in terms mm-hmm. of your immediate universe. And so um, I do think that makes us more – I think these kids might be more global citizens, and so they might be more um, – they might be more responsible. Um, and the word you used earlier, I love it, compassionate. Mm-hmm. You know, when you get exposed to things beyond your little circle of life, and we all think our circles were so important, right? <laughs> you know, I say things to them like, the sun does not revolve around you. And that's probably not good parenting. But, <laughs> you know, that's not compassionately asserting what you need, right? But <laughs> but um, I do think it can do some good because I do think it can expose them to other things and that knowledge is powerful in your ability to be understanding and to be compassionate Um, and also I think you know now you have artists like Alizzo out Mm -hmm. um, you know so the ability for them to see those different images um, now that to me is the good part of it yeah Mm -hmm. and I think you I think that's that's a really fair assessment for me to always think about is it's not all bad. It's not all good, but it's not all bad. And I think something that you brought up is something that I I really agree with with, in terms of when it comes to whatever content. And when I'm talking content, I'm not just talking about what's being watched. It's also what's being listened to. It's the content of conversation that they have on a day-to-day basis and the environment that they're in, just the whole thing. I think that you know, I was, I love my parents to life itself. I was brought up in a household where the message was very much like you just stay away from those things. And this is a conversation that I openly have with my parents that I just handle things a bit differently. It's not that I encourage you to like go seek out these things. I would just rather let's go ahead and have that thing happen instead of you pretending like you're not into that or you didn't, you know, try to find that or whatever it may be so that we can navigate what you're going to do when you then come up in that situation. So, um, I don't know. I'm basically counseling myself right now. That's basically (laughs) what's happening. But I think that you bring up just a really good aspect as far as I think, and I think that relates back to confidence because I think that the more confidence we can help our kids feel then the more that they are able to speak up for themselves, advocate for themselves, stand up for themselves because they will have the confidence to say that thing doesn't align with what I'm all about. So I'm not, I'm not getting into that or yeah, this is the choice that I'd like to make. I understand that that doesn't make you happy. However, this is the choice that I'd like to make. Like I'm going to wear my hair like this. I've just decided that that's what I'm going to do. And I'm sure that's a proud moment as a parent, you know? So just kind of thinking through that aspect of it. Um, Growing up, I witnessed a very violent crime. And um, so I'm sure that was hard for my mother to figure out what did I need to be able to get past that. Mm. Um, So I was already a very strong-willed child to begin with. And then you add on trauma, you know, (laughs) high maintenance. I have heard that a time or two. Um, but it's interesting. My stepfather now, um, who I regard as my father, but um, he was actually our pastor before he was ever my stepfather. 
And so, you know, I'm sure as parents, we go back and look at all the things that we did wrong. I know one thing that my mother definitely did right was she consulted him because I think I was at a time where she must have been at her wit's end. And she reached out to him. So, you know, back in those days, you, you didn't go to a therapist, you went to your pastor. So he told her, this thing that there is about her that is driving you insane, f- what is it? And if it's a skill or something, help her figure out how to manage it. Don't beat it out of her, okay? Because I definitely got my fair share of whoopings. And she shared that with me because he said she's going to need that later. That's part of her character. She just needs to learn how to manage it. And so as you talk about people saying loud, my voice carries. Yes, I am proud of that. It does. (laughs) You know, what people say, you're opinionated. No, I'm intellectual and I think about things. I'm a critical thinker. I'm going to share what I think, right? Um, So those things have helped me. So I'm thankful for that lesson. And it's something that I carry forward. When I observe them doing something and I immediately want to correct them, I do think about, is this something that they're going to need later? And I don't want to discipline or correct it out of them. Um, So that's an important lesson that I wanted to share. Do you feel like how how tough do you feel like that is, or do you feel like that's not tough? And what I'm specifically talking about, because I I will raise my hand, I struggle with that sometimes, because on the one hand, I believe that I'm somebody who's very committed to the whole like be who you are, be who you is. Like I want you to be who you are, as my grandfather would say. How be ever. There still are kind of some things where I'm like, no, no, no. No, no, no. We're not. We're not going. We're not going to. We're not going to do that. And I'll. I'll be very upfront. A big part of what plays a role in that is also the fact that my son is biracial. So I do. There is a certain aspect of this piece that I was brought up with. With you have to. You should be aware of your surroundings. You should be aware that there may be people who will judge you a bit differently because of your skin color versus the content of your character, like that sort of a thing. So I, I also, I have to own that that's a, you know, if somebody wants to call it a bias, whatever it may be, it's part of my, my upbringing. That being understood though, how do you try to play that? I call it harmony. I'm not a big fan of the word balance. I'm big on harmony. One part, I got two singers in the room. I used to be a singer in high school. Uh, so <laughs> you understand the importance of harmony, right? Sometimes one part needs to play a little louder than the other, and it, co- it creates a balanced sound, but not everybody can be Beyonce all the time. Sometimes you got to be Kelly and Michelle, right? And I oh. love that. <laughs> <laughs> I think Michelle was highly underrated in Destiny's Child. Just so I you agree. Know. I yeah, absolutely agree. Underrated. We could have a whole other podcast about that. <laughs> she, you know she went to ISU. <laughs> had to sing really? behind her and some... In some uh, concerts, so we'll talk about that later. <laughs> oh my gosh, <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah. Really? Okay, Michelle. <laughs> she. I was waiting for you to pull out your phone, like, oh, we just happened to take this photo no. back in nineteen. Yeah, that was before I had confidence. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that is definitely on your resume right now. Backup singer with Michelle <laughs> from Destiny's Child. I'm the fifth member. Uh, <laughs> I thought there were only three, right? Uh, but anyways, so. How how do you navigate through that that harmony or delicate balance, whatever you want to talk about, of the encourage kids to be who they are and celebrate that thing that they're going to need later, as you brought up. I really like that aspect of it. And also instill 
or the importance of standards, I guess. I'm, I'm not going to worry about how to say it. Like, just there still need to be some standards, in my opinion. So how do you, Corey, how do you try to navigate through that? Oh, um, <laughs> just, <laughs> it's like day by day. Um, <laughs> that is the, that's the most understood <laughs> response I think that you could get. And accepted. Oh, thank and accepted. you. Thank you. Yeah, acting like, like I have my stuff together <laughs> while I go cry myself to sleep. And then I recoup. <laughs> um, yeah. oh gosh. Do you? I don't always. You know, it might take a um, Sometimes it takes weeks. Okay. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> uh, I recently have had a breakdown and that, like, I had to have that in order to gain some mm. clarity mm. and be the mom that I wanted to be. Yeah. Oh, Harmony. Okay, so actually I think keeping your own shit together, allowing myself to to feel all of my emotions because parenting is really hard. And what I have noticed, um, which I think people should have warned me about this, was when you parent, all of your old shit is gonna come up. Mm. Like, you're, I feel like my mm. children are a mirror mm. of me. And so I have to be really careful not to project my past experiences on them because even though I see similarities, um, they still are experiencing life through their own lens and their own experience. So I really try and take into account, like my children are very different. They're alike in similar ways and very, very different in a lot of ways. And I never compare them. Um, I got compared a lot as a child, um, not to my brother, but to like cousins and other girls. So I, I feel like I'm going way off topic here, but- um, No, we're good. I No, I'm good. feeling you like- Okay. <laughs> Good, I'll keep going then. <laughs> yeah. So I, I definitely try and not praise them, but compliment them for their unique personalities and characteristics. Um, but then when I see uh, like something going wrong, not going wrong, I don't know how to phrase this, um, something where I feel like it's they're being rude, they're being inconsiderate, um, that sort of thing really bothers me. Um, you know, I don't care if they talk back in terms of challenging me or wanting to understand why I believe that I should I should give them that explanation but when they're just being straight up rude then we ha need to have a conversation of you know you don't live in this bubble your actions and your words affect other people and at the same time letting them know that they are not 100% responsible for someone else's emotions um, as long as they're living like they're acting out of integrity and they're speaking compassionately. But if they are saying something rude or dismissive, like that needs to be corrected. But I try I, something I, I, I don't know. I picked it up from one of my therapists. <laughs> she was like, uh, um, when it's happening, you don't need to correct it in front of everyone else. Let them cool down, take them to the room, a quiet, safe place and have a calm, calm conversation because if they're in the middle of, you know, anger, whatever heightened emotion it is, their their functioning in the prefrontal cortex is not happening. So anything I say is not going to work. Yeah, that is not the teachable moment. It's it's, it's really not. No, both at of all. us are just gonna we're gonna be a hot mess. But um, so first of all, when you said some frontal cortex, so I don't even know that was very. <laughs> um, 
intellectual and academic. She took it. She took us to church and to the library. Listen, all and, in and one. to the library. I so, like it. Yeah. Now I'm going to say something. Now don't think I'm like really a musician because I'm in here amongst people that probably know real musicians. So. Um, just the concept of dissonance, right? And so dissonance to me is where, you know, you have like a clanging sound. And there are two things that really you don't think they belong together. And for some people it can be jarring. But to me, when I hear sometimes I hear a sound that would probably fit that category, it can be beautiful. And so it goes back to that. <laughs> to me, it goes back to my therapy. You know, are you going to hurt yourself or are you going to hurt others? You know, those are the times where I'm vibing with you. I draw the line. Um, but if it's you want to go out today and you want to wear stripes and hearts, <laughs> do you. Right. So I like I like you bringing that therapy aspect because I was like, where do I draw the line? And I was like, OK, yes, you know, but and I'm probably you know, not that black and white, you know, we all have things because, you know, I'll say I still have those things in my past. Like, girl, don't go. We're not going to work with your hair looking crazy like that. No, let me just brush it up. You know, mm, yeah. you know, so the, like yeah. we've said earlier, you said earlier, I'm still a work in progress. Um, but, yeah, trying to do things a little different. But I, I wanted to bring in that concept of dissonance that I like what you said. I have gotten away from the word balance. I have decided I make choices. Some days I make choices and I'm a wonderful mother and I'm bad at work. Mm, I hope I still keep my job on this podcast. <laughs> Sometimes I make decisions and I am wonderful at work and I'm a bad mother or sister or whatever it is. But I make choices. And I, I do think something happened to me at 40. When you realize you're not on the uphill climb, you're on the down, I'm not going to beat myself up over it. I am not going to um, be... I, I love, is it Brene Brown? I love that she talks about shame um, because to me that's, I'm not going to be shameful about it. Those are choices I made. I made that choice in the moment. That's what I did. Maybe today I would do something different, but I'm moving on. So I agree. I don't say balance. I made a choice. Mm. I love that. And, and, you know, talking about mistakes, um, that was something I wanted to say earlier. I completely forgot. Um Allowing our kids to make mistakes, like so, I so badly want to swoop in and save them from any pain. And my life coach last year, we were talking about this. I was just having so much trouble with my oldest going through a hard time. And she was like oh, explaining when I feel her pain as mine and I'm sharing in it, it's almost like I'm I'm validating the reason or I'm, I'm validating her having that shame mm. instead of being a calm presence and letting her know that it's okay to feel this. This is temporary. Everyone feels, you know, the so-called negative emotions, but they're not negative. They're just human. And by not swooping in and saving our kids for every, every mistake, every bit of trouble they get in, um, every emotion that makes them hurt, by allowing them to experience that and work through it on their own, we're giving them the dignity of, of experience. But when we're swooping in, we're robbing them of that dignity. I mean, they become resilient because of their mistakes. But we can sit here, which, <laughs> I mean, remind, remind me of this conversation <laughs> in like two weeks. <laughs> we're going to record it. Gotcha. <laughs> right, right. I'll just replay it over and over again. <laughs> But that wow. is, I think that is one of the hardest things about parenting 
And especially when your child is so much like you, is just, okay, I'm going to let her do this on her own, but I'm going to be there not freaking out. I'm going to rub her back and say, you can feel all the feels, and this is normal. I, I got nothing. Because <laughs> <laughs> you just, I mean, both of you just really broke that down beautifully. <laughs> so thank you for doing that. And um, yeah, I, th I think at the end of the day, there's no expectation of a perfect answer. And I think that a big part, and we'll start to wrap up here. So a big part of what I was feeling in wanting to have this conversation was the fact that the different aspects that go into building confidence for ourselves and helping our children to grow their confidence is going to be individual. And I think also, I don't, I don't necessarily see confidence as something that looks the same every single day. Um, that's why when you, when you would answer that question like day by day or one day at a time, I think that confidence on Monday is going to look real different than confidence on Tuesday, which is going to look a whole lot different than confidence two years from now. And you brought up the, the word resilient. And I think that that's, that's a really powerful piece to think about uh, when it comes to our children. Uh, I know for myself, that is if somebody was like, hey, what are some of the main things that you want your children to be able to have? Or even if they were to flip it and say, if you could choose to role model two to three specific things that you hope your children will be able to see in you or say, resilience would definitely be on that list because I don't hope that their life is 1000% perfect because I, I then would worry like, okay, when is the shoe going to drop? Like, yeah. when is the hammer really going to drop? I would much, I don't wish bad things, but I, I would much rather like, let's work our way through the, the ugly stuff. Like let, let's work our way through the poor decisions. Let's work our way through the mess. doesn't mean I'm going to be Mr. Friendly all the way through <laughs> it. But let's like figure our way through that so that we can get an understanding of what that feels like when you are going through that stuff, when you're going through those, those moments of self-doubt. Because um, I think about that. Actually, I know we've talked quite a bit about daughters, but I think about that with my son quite a bit. You know, So uh, you want that certain level of confidence um, there, but you also want him to be, I want him to understand the, that humility piece and this kind of goes full circle to you know too much of one too little of the other and whatever it may be but i just think so much about not everything needs to be commented on not every action that they take you know has to have a lesson in it sometimes it's just kids being kids no matter what age whether they're 9 6 13 15 you've got to have them just go through the process and be able to build that resilience or that grit, whatever that is, in order to build the confidence. Because I think there's no perfect playbook on building confidence. And I think if we think about the most confident people that we know, where is the where does it come from through? Life experience. Mm -hmm. So if you don't allow kids to actually experience it, how's it how's it ever gonna happen so i don't know like it's just a I, ramble, but i have intentionally like i remember one time me and my husband were arguing and he kind of was like something about you doing this in front of the kids i said no let them see 
they need to see. They need to see that sometimes oh, mommy that. and daddy don't get along because that's real life. One time I hit rock bottom and I was downstairs in the closet on the floor. They need to see it, okay? So for me, authenticity, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and, mm-hmm. and to me that goes to Because what you will also see is mommy and daddy will give each other a kiss a couple of days later. Maybe a couple weeks, but you know, it'll come back together. <laughs> or they need to see mommy's going to get up from the floor and she's going to wipe her tears and so she's going to move on. But I agree with you. A lot of times we try to shield them from all that and then they go on the real, real world. They don't have any coping skills because we've given them such a romanticized view of what life is really like. Um, and so to me, truth and authenticity is important, is an important part of that formula. But as you were talking, the word that came to mind was recycle. Um, so I'm thinking in my life, I've been able to recycle my pain. I've been able to recycle my um, hurts or mistakes, right? So how can... I will never forget a woman telling me everything that in my life had happened had not happened for 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 nay for not for nothing, um, and so I have learned to take that and do something else with it. Um, and so, yeah, to me, I I don't know too many people that talk about confidence without talking about the other side of the obstacles. Yeah. And if they are, yeah. great. But that wasn't <laughs> me, and so that's your story, and this is my story, and. That's all right, but mine is embedded in problems, mistakes, and pain. Yeah. But I'm here, right? Like they say, turn your test into your testimony. <laughs> yeah. Like your mess is your message, you know? Oh, like, I do love that. I mean, think about yeah. some of the greatest songs, poems, pieces of art. Like those people went through something. They were they were hurting. And that's how we get some of our greatest, greatest lessons. That's why I love storytelling. Are you going to sing? Oh, no, no. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to be outside. I am not that me, person. Myself, we got, we got a few I minutes got left. I'm just saying. You That's what I found out. And I might just no run this place for myself. <laughs> you got Michelle's former backup singer over there. No, I had to sing behind her in a concert. She sang in the whole... Everybody was like, oh, my, wonderful, wonderful. Because she could sing. You're right. She's underrated. She could sing. Mm-hmm. I had to come up there. I was like, Lord, please <laughs> anoint my voice. And let them hear you. You know, that's what you do when you start getting nervous. Let them hear you, Lord. No one. I was like, oh, I didn't want to be embarrassed. <laughs> but when you're talking about songs, that's one song. I love Beyonce, me, myself, and I, because, you know, she just talks about that process of at the end of everything, she finds out that she's her own best friend. Um, and I will say I'm going to be, I am intentional about, I don't, I'm not going to tell Mia to, Go to college, and when you're in college, then go out and then go to grad school, and make sure you try to find a husband. Mm-mm. You know, I'm going to teach her those things, like don't hurt yourself, don't hurt others, but live your life. Yes. Yeah, like figure it out. You gotta, you gotta figure out what's going to work for you, and I think that's that's really, in my eyes, that's that's when you feel, or when I feel as a parent the most confident is seeing my kids make choices and they know why they're making those choices. So even if I may put it under the category of that was not a great choice, 
if they can tell me that they did it with confidence, like they they're they are they are committed to <laughs> they why are they tell made such children. Choice. You're yes. ready. <laughs> you, yes. Oh, I, I mean, I was really committed to TPing at 14. <laughs> like yeah. I made that choice. I planned it. Yeah. Like was there are good? some. No. <laughs> there are some things that that my son. That was. He, yeah. My my <laughs> my son will do some things, and he will say some things, and I know. In my head, like I've I've become very good at like just the what I call the Kanye face, just okay. But in the back of my head, I'm like, this is going to going back to what you talked about. I'm like, this is going to pay off for him mm. at some point. This will pay off, or maybe it's just the story I'm telling myself to keep me out of jail because <laughs> sometimes it's like, oh my gosh. But yeah, but you can already <laughs> see it, right? Because in those, that's why I was a preacher appreciative of us talking today and the relationship that we have because one thing I can say is what always happens is our children are very different away from us than they are with us. So we all talk about um, the things that we go through, but when I see their children and I see the outcome, I hear about the struggle, but the outcome, you, I don't see that struggle, right? I see, you know, respectful kids um, who... Um, are very thoughtful, and I'm just so, so impressed with them. But I also hear the struggle, so it's here. It's funny to see both sides. <laughs> so you know, you have to. You always have to remember they act a little different when they're not around us. Yes, that's very true. Now yeah. that can be traumatizing or rewarding. <laughs> it is funny. But, My dad and I just in had your that, case, that conversation. <laughs> yeah, we just had this conversation not too long ago, where I was like, you know what? At the end of the day, if I'm getting feedback from other teachers or parents. And they're talking about, you know, yeah, your kids are, they're not necessarily perfect. However, you can tell that they're, seems like they're raised pretty well. They, you know, they treat people with respect, that sort of a thing. But then, you know, they'll kind of go, go off at other times. I'm like, you know what, what that tells me is they have the spirit of discernment. Mm -hmm. They understand, they, they understand that sometimes they just want to let it out. And I've learned Again, maybe this is just a coping mechanism, <laughs> but I've learned to, I would much rather that they do that where I can actually be a part of it and we can work our way through it versus at home, they are 1000% perfect. But then when they go somewhere else, it's just a completely different story because then there's that feeling of, okay, well, you just, you have to be perfect in front of mom and dad. And then you kind of go do your thing. So that I'm just going to continue to tell myself that story. You both might be like, wow, I is he agree. off? But I'm just going to go with it. I used to wonder, especially in preschool, and when my kids were younger, their teachers were like, they're so great, they're respectful, they're helpful. And then they were just having meltdowns at home. I'm like, what is going on? And I remember my, my kid's preschool teacher telling me, your kids melt down for a reason. They are trying so hard to hold it together during the day and that takes all of their energy and they feel comfortable and safe enough. That was the key. They feel yeah, safe to just let it go, let out all of the emotion because it's hard for a kid to really control their behavior and their emotions all day. And so now I just <laughs> will try and sit with the meltdown and rub her back and, you know, help her identify her emotions and then go take a mommy time out if I need it. And yeah. pandemic has been interesting with all that, right? Because mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah, 
you know, I see them. I, you know, I was trying to be the teacher. So I, I thought I was going to be the work, mm. be the teacher and everything. So mm. I, I, I even had them call me Mrs. Lockett, okay? And I got their little workout. And they would do something. And I say, I write character. That's what you do at school? No. <laughs> I think parents learned a whole lot during virtual school. Parents learned a whole lot if you had not been a part of that process. My friends at home school were like, we, we knew all along. <laughs> But I know, I know a large group of people that were like, is this what you're like at school? Is this Gosh. who you really are? Yeah. Uh, Teachers but, have never been appreciated so much yes. before, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. ever. But I will say it it did, you know, it, it has given us time together um, and allowed me to pause and to and, and I think that's a lesson moving forward. It's very easy for us to get so busy. And I think that's where I was before the pandemic. I was so busy that I was around them, but I wasn't really present. Um, and I feel that's starting to happen again, and it honestly gives me a little anxiety. Um, but again, and we're talking about lessons learned, you know, and trying not to just repeat the mistakes of the past. So that's something I need to be mindful of, is to make sure that as we come out and we get back to whatever normal is, um, to make sure that I'm present. Because I think that that matters. It matters in how they see me. It matters in how I see them. Man. I, I'm going to be honest. I, I feel like that's a great place to to kind of wrap it wrap it all together. Because it, it goes back to what was talked about right at the beginning. When you each talked about, you know, what confidence means to you. And uh, just some of the examples. And I feel like we've kind of gone, we've gone in a lot of different directions. But. Again, that's the way that most of these conversations go. I told you both right from the jump, I don't work on an outline and just wherever the conversation goes, it goes. And I can't say enough how much I appreciate you all making the time to do this because I can tell you that this is a conversation that I will be really proud to have my kids listen to at some point. And somebody had brought that up to me a long time ago. They were like, you know, one of the cool one of the coolest things about podcasting is that it's going to leave a conversation that your kids will be able to listen to. Like our grandparents never had that opportunity. And I was like, huh, I didn't even think about it like that. But I try to take that out of my head too, because I'm not, I don't want to try and think like, okay, well, would I say this if I knew they were listening? Because right now my, my, my daughter has access, but she probably could not care less. She probably rolls her eyes. Like who knows? Um, but my son, you know, I'm not a YouTuber screaming, so he's not going <laughs> to listen to anything. But I think, but there will um, come a time. yeah. So I think that that um, I feel great about, and I hope that you also feel pretty good about the fact that one day, like our kids are going to sit down and listen to this, and they're going to, I think they're going to soak up a lot of really good stuff. Um, so with that being said, I do want to leave any space if there was anything else. Don't no pressure. But if there's anything else that you wanted to, to share or any takeaways or anything like that um, that you may have before we, before we wrap it up, because um, I, I feel like I've taken so many mental notes from this. And also with the way that things work, I feel like I'm going to be tested on this whole, like, <laughs> let, let your kids be who let they are. Let it go. Let it go. <laughs> I, feel, I feel like the Lord's going to test me. This right. like, <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know, I, you know, I don't have an official like intro or outro song. Yet. Don't use that one. So just, <laughs> just say it. But um, any any last little tidbit or anything or takeaway that you all would want to drop before we we wrap it up? 
I'll say thank you. I, you know, I came um, in anticipation of contributing, but I received. Um, and so you took mental notes. I, based on the brain that I have, <laughs> I, I was did write writing notes. Yes. yes. Um, so I just want to say thank you um, because, you know, you think sometimes you're doing things for other people, and this was therapeutic for me. Um, and I think when we get back to confidence, you know, I'm getting to the point these days where, yes, it's okay for that to be for me. Um, and so I'm grateful for that. Awesome. I 100% agree. Um, being a homebody and an introvert, I am always so hesitant to, like, go do anything, especially stuff out of my comfort zone. But, I, you know, part of gaining confidence for myself was um, doing things despite fear and also not backing out when I feel fear because that used to be me. Mm. So I think just using this as an example for both of my kids and like what you can actually gain when you do something that you're scared of, um, you do get confidence out of it because you like, I made it through. I didn't die. Like this is actually fun. <laughs> yeah. That, well, that that is fantastic. And I think that's a great place for us to wrap it up. So again, to both of you, thank you so much for being here. And uh, just can't say thank you enough. Thank you. All right. That's thank a wrap. Thank you.